Hello, welcome back to Girls Like Us. This is the podcast that you have been waiting for that finally asks the question, what does a literature degree get you? And we say it gets you a podcast about books for children. I'm Sophie. Franny is here with me. And I told her we were going to talk about something for the intro, but I also kind of want to catch her off guard because there's there's a big issue on record. There's a big issue right now, and I think we need to speak on record about yes. it finally, which is... And I appreciate, like, I appreciate you, like, confronting me with this, exactly. right? Because, <laughs> exactly. like, I need you to to kind of call me into this situation, but in a way that's, like, you know, uh, you need to get my raw, honest exactly. reaction, right? That's, like, I'm, I need to live my yeah. truth with this. I'm raw-dogging you on this because I don't want... Yes. I didn't need any time for you to prepare for this because, no. uh, like, this is... So, just right away... You're, you're running train on me with truths and truths and truths. Exactly, exactly. Right. So... We need right now on record a take from you about just like the what I'm going to call in general the John Mulaney industrial complex. Oh my god. I mean, I was talking about this this with Meg yesterday. Like, I have not seen his interview. I've just basically only learned about, you know, the situation via TikToks. Here is what I guess makes me sad as someone, you know, who is in the I guess world of like performing. Sure. Right. Is the fact that like, it just makes me sad to see someone, I don't know, essentially like use their partner for so much, you know, material and be like, I love my wife and be beloved because of that. Right. And then, you know, and I'm not saying like their relationship is their relationship. We don't know what happened. Like we're in the public just, but just seeing that contrast and seeing, you know, her statement that, that makes me sad. Yeah. And that would be something I would never like want to do to someone, yes. okay. you know, as a, as a performer. So that's I think, my take on it. I think you have the exact right take, which is the same take that I have that I am sick of the narrative of like wife guys wife guys one like that to me i'm like leave that poor woman alone but right. i'm also sick of the narrative that is like capturing the media where all of a sudden everybody has a psychology degree and knows the term parasocial relationship and is like leave this man alone like he hasn't done anything to you and i'm like well he like he rose to prominence by like being like my wife. And now he's like, right. I just got another woman pregnant. Like the month I got out of rehab, like truly like all everything else aside, it's like, like this is, it's like watching like some sort of like really weird, like shift go down in like the collective psyche of like Twitter. And, and we've seen like, and here's the thing is I think stand up comedy in particular is so, um, kind of like personal to oneself and like, right. And whether, I mean, it is a performance obviously, and we can like talk about like authenticity in it, but stand up comedy is something that is really, really seems to be like connected to, to yes. oneself in a lot of ways. So I, I think it's, it's fair for the public to be like, Hey, this was what he was presenting and this right. is what he's doing now. Yeah. And yeah. And again, like I, I really don't think that anyone probably knows anything about it other than like no. the only truth of the matter that I know is like he he talked about his wife all the time in his act, act right. and now they're divorced. Yeah. And that's fine. People get divorced or whatever. It just makes me sad. You right. Know? It's like, should he like I've been thinking a lot about this because like once again, like I watched a lot of John Mulaney, like late high school, early college and like. I'm like, should he be able to continue to, like, make money off of these Netflix cash cow specials where for, like, 60% of the special he's, like, being like, my wife is Jewish. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. That pisses me off. Like, because it's like, leave this poor woman alone. Like, 
I just, I don't know. I think it's just because like I've witnessed it in my life. And once again, I'm speaking totally into the gen, I'm generalizing Mm -hmm. within the gender binary right now. But if I think about my life, there are multiple situations that I can cite directly where men have actively like chosen to do a full 180 after having been like fully reliant on their partner for like mm-hmm. everything in their life. And then right. all of a sudden, like, I'm like, you're ungrateful. Like, that's what, that's what pisses me off. I'm like, I don't know. For some reason, it strikes a chord with me where I'm like, stop, stop being like, leave John Mulaney alone. The correct take is leave John Mulaney's ex-wife alone. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's also, it's always odd to me when this is on a whole nother level, but like the idea of like, you know, people speculating that Taylor Swift is queer. Sure. Like the idea of, I think that the the idea of like, don't talk about these celebrities. Like that is, that is a defense mechanism to shut down dissenting opinion. Yes. And yeah, don't tweet at John Mulaney and be like, Hey, you fucking bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, right. but you know, when you're a public figure, yeah. you, you have to, just as we know, Sophie, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, people talk people about us all People are speculating the time. on us yeah. and our relationships. No, so. yeah. People will DM so John, Nick we get and be it. like. So call us, call us. Yeah. Call us, John. John, we'll have you on the John. If you want to, like, if you didn't get enough out of your system on Seth Meyers, like girls like us, we're always open. We don't ask. Famously, we've been criticized this for, for this in the past. We do not ask hard hitting questions. We no. really like allow someone's personality to influence us to like them. Like, yeah, this might be the perfect platform for your comeback, baby. Like, come, right. come on. Um, Okay, so to get to the actual thing that we wanted to talk about in the intro, which is, um, you know, this is truly, it's a national holiday because Lisa Vanderpump released her strategist, What I Can't Live Without. And and to be fair, when I thought at the beginning you were going to ask me, you were like, I'm going to spring this on you. I need your hard opinion. I did think that you were going to ask me about something about this Lisa Vanderpump article. Well, I just like, there's not a lot here. But what is uh-huh. here is magnificent. So I, if you guys also, don't and know. shout out to um, the strategist editor. We were in their Instagram story. Yes, we were. Ago, so, and that rocked. So yes. thank you to the listener. We do mm-hmm. have um, a listener or two who works at the strategist. Uh, we love you guys. And I just, I do have to say, like, I know that probably the person who we communicate with who works for the strategist knew this was coming and didn't tell us. So next time, you know, give, give a girl a heads up because I woke up this morning and I went, <laughs> Um, so, you know, it was like a little bit of a cardiac event because I'm so excited about this. So, um, Franny, I'm going to list some things. You haven't looked at it, right? No, I haven't looked at it. Okay, so I'm going to list some things. I just saw that it was sponsored by Febreze. That's as far as I got on it. So what, okay, here's a good first question. What does Lisa Vanderpump, what's her general take on, uh, Febreze Unstoppable's air freshener touch fabric breeze air freshener? Well, I love it because when when Harrison, a.k.a. Puffy, rubs his little butthole to express his anal glands on my pink couch, you need something to clean up that fishy smell, love. Uh, that's basically that's that, it. Again, it's so, like Love Island, kind but, of. But how, is she, but how is she spinning it? Like, how is she? Because, you know, Lisa Vanderpump is a master of self-promotion. So how right. is she? She's going to be like, this smell, this this wine, or no, this, this Febreze smells like my Vanderpump Rosé wine that I have with my daughter. Okay, so you got off base with that. So let me read you like a little mm-hmm. snippet of what she said. 
We've saved over 2,500 dogs with the Vanderpump Dog <laughs> Foundation, and a few of them live with us. And I have cocker spaniels and Wheaton terriers and big retrievers that jump on the couch. So I'm around a lot of dogs all the time. I'm all about ambiance. I love music and flowers and scented candles and gorgeous things. I want my house to feel like a sanctuary. Febreze keeps my home smelling fresh, like very clean laundry. You can spray it anywhere, like the base of furniture where the dogs lie or cushions themselves <laughs> i spray it on Wait, my the makeup base of furniture where dogs lie yeah so she's like uh, lisa vanderpump is outing herself as somebody who like doesn't actually allow the dogs on the furniture she's like i'll save a rescue dog but that bitch is not getting on my couch no, not unless their name is harrison aka puffy aka <laughs> yeah. the jiggy replacement yeah <laughs> jiggy, jiggy jiggy too um there's not a lot else here she really likes clorox fresh scent disinfecting wipes that um, seems like a, a conflict of interest, right? Don't you think Febreze is going to try to... Maybe they're both owned by... I think they're both, like... I think they're both Pete, uh, Procter & Gamble. Mm. Um, Come on, Lisa. We have this connection. We're both... We are both we both grew up in Cincinnati. She says, I always tell my kids and husband that I've been cooking for them for 39 years and I've never poisoned them. And she thanks uh, food the, the Clorox disinfecting wipes for that, for disinfecting her counters and stuff so interesting take she loves Neutrogena makeup wipes like it's 2001 that's also like a Procter and Gamble yeah. product I believe okay so now I'm seeing the trend she's a psyop this. this is yeah, a psyop this is, this is 100% a, t- a psyop she uses something that only like a woman over 60 would use which is OPI nail envy nail strengthener it's like it comes in a nail polish bottle and you put it on your nails to make them not brittle she she simply hasn't been watching Simply Nailogical because if she did, she would know that nail strengthening is a scam and you have to just treat your cuticles right instead because it'll actually make them break more. Exactly. Yeah. Um, she needs to be getting like cuticle treatments with um, with dip manicures, um, mm-hmm. according to my lovely manicurist. And then also like some random British things like PG tips, black tea. Uh, which is genuinely very good, and Cadbury mm-hmm. uh, milk chocolate, which it's like she She's literally— like, I look at it, and then I feel satisfied. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. She probably does eat, like, actually. Yeah, I mean, if you work in a restaurant— She's no Lisa Rinna. No, you do actually have to eat. Like, that. that is part of the job. And, and from all accounts, she is in those restaurants every night. So for her to be mm-hmm. kind of like— sitting at a table with a little, like, crystal arrangement on it and, like, not eating would be, you know, kind of off-putting to the other guests of the restaurant, I think. Right, definitely. Um, so, speaking of people, you know, kind of making light of not eating, let's talk about uh, the subject matter that we do have at hand today, which is Airhead by Meg Cabot, a book that I remember— in detail reading. Like, there was almost yeah, no plot too. point in this book that I didn't kind of remember as soon as we jumped back into it. So do you want to go ahead and give me your initial reaction? I know you just finished it, so it's fresh on your mind brain. Yeah. Um. So I was a little, in my mind, I remember uh, one key plot point from this book. So this book is about a girl who gets a brain transplant, and her brain is placed in the body of a supermodel. And that's the whole book. Like, there's not that's much the plot whole book. beyond that. Yeah. Well, the one plot point I remembered is that she had a computer. Basically, there's this whole, like, overarching, like, um, evil mega corporation, which is called Stark Enterprises. Yeah. And I'm like, girl, this was 2008. Like, change it up a little bit. Yeah. Like, Iron Man existed in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, but she um, uh, has 
connections and now now she's basically owned by this this corporation right and she goes uh to her room and she has a laptop and she can tell her laptop is being tracked that's what i remembered from this book but that really doesn't play in that much in my mind i was like isn't she a spy that was not true yeah that's so essentially i don't know if you just said it right now but the stark enterprise is paid for so what happened was let's like this is the plot of the book like this is it um there's a girl named m and for Emerson. She, Emerson, because that's which, a boy okay. name. Here's which the it's thing. not. Emerson, so along for the ride, she also had a boy name, quote unquote. And then I've been rewatching you. Beck also has, or no, it's it's her dad named her after, you know, her uh, one of his favorite literary characters. So yeah. I don't know what this this kind of theme is of fathers naming their daughters after literary characters. Um I think it's like a all of these things that we're citing besides you, but you is based on a book from like around this time period. This is like turn of 2010 where it's kind of like hinting into the manic pixie dream girl phase. Like, yes. This girl is different. Like the first time we meet M, she's giving a presentation, her speech and debate class about women in gaming, which like that's a big prediction from Meg Cabot here that like Gamergate would essentially become a thing. Um, right. So she's, like giving this presentation about how women game and she's like, no one's paying attention to me because I'm not sexy. Um, because after her, like the popular girl, she's like the teacher fell asleep. Yeah. Which (laughs) like, okay, he's fired. (laughs) Like teacher um, resigned. (laughs) Yeah. But so this girl, Whitney goes after her and Whitney's like the popular girl. And she's like, actually like, if you're fat, that's bad. And it's your problem. Can I read this? Yeah. Because I had this bookmarked. So this was, this is Whitney's like two minute persuasive. And everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which this girl was wearing heels to school, which I don't think I know anyone who ever wore heels to high school. Uh, The cast of Pretty Little Liars. Okay. Yeah. True. So pwned, Franny. Yeah. Go on then. Yeah. Um, my topic is about why Whitney began in a sing-song sweet voice completely unlike the one she uses when she advises me to bite her. Don't believe in the fallacy that Western civilization's standards for female beauty are too high. Lots of women complain that the fashion and film industries are attacking the self-esteem of young girls and older women alike. They want those industries to employ more, quote, average size women, unquote. I say this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, she says, how is promoting a healthy weight, which scientists have determined as a body mass index of below 24.9, Hell. As, as beautiful an attack on any woman's self-esteem? If some women are too lazy to go to the gym because they sit around all day playing video games, well, that's their problem. But they can't turn around and blame those people, those of us who take proper care of our bodies for being sexist or holding them to the impossible standards of beauty, especially when so many of us are living proof that those standards aren't impossible at all. Yeah, so that's, that's and, like, kind of the central, like, that's the theme of the book that we're trying like to There's, like, a choice, into. a choice feminism stank to this book, I would say. Oh, is there? Definitely. Yeah, and before we get started, let me be clear that the reason that Sophie and I chose this book is because we do believe this is the only way that a hot woman could be smart is if she had a brain transplant, Yeah, right? exactly. And that Yeah. Let me be very, very clear. And you can quote me in your reviews. You can quote me in your complaints to, like, I don't know, whatever authority you complain to about us. <laughs> to um, Mr. Frolic. To Mr. Mrs. Frolic. Frolic. No, Mr. Frolic. Yeah. yeah, you heard it here first. Frolic is, like, a man-focused organization, right? Um. <laughs> Let me be very, very, very incredibly clear. This book is totally a work of fantasy because truly a hot woman could never be smart, let alone learn how to work a computer 
to the point that she could realize that that computer was bugged, unless Mm -hmm. her brain was physically taken out of her body, thrown into a trash can, slopped into (laughs) into the streets of New York City, eaten by rats, and replaced by by a taxi. Yeah. (laughs) And replaced by the brain of a fat high schooler. Yes. You heard it here first. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's my, that's the only political take I will ever have on this podcast. Right, exactly. Um, So, M, like, she has to go to the opening of this Stark megastore with her sister. Mm -hmm. And because her sister's 14 and she's, like, obsessed with celebrity and, like, being a gal. And Gabe Luna. Gabriel Luna. Luna. Who is a singer-songwriter. There's a lot of love interests in this book. There's, like, four, to be exact. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It was too many. I was, I listened to this book on audio, and it's, like, Mm -hmm. the person did different voices for everyone, which really helped, but I... That's impressive. Yeah, it was impressive. She had, like, different little kind of, like, affectations she gave each character. Um, Great performance by whoever this young woman was, but... She, like, her sister wants to see this performance by Gabriel Luna, so M's like, fine. Oh, and I'll did take we you. mention that this book is by Mae Cabot? Yes, we did. Yeah. Okay. Um, of the Princess Diaries. Sorry. Of the Princess Diaries fame. Yeah. Um, and she, like, she takes her to this Stark megastore, and Nikki Howard, this, like, famous supermodel who's also 17 years old, is at the Stark megastore, and she, like, M is there, and there's, like, protesters there because Stark is, like, you know, kind of, like, the Walmart of, like, mm-hmm. this this universe. And it's, like, it took over, like, a mom-and-pop shop in this, like, New York neighborhood. So there's protesters there, and they shoot paintballs at a plasma screen TV, which falls on M, crushing and killing her body. But she remains alive in the brain. How that's, that's possible? I don't know either because here's how I'm imagining it. Like, it's like an anvil style. Like, her body yeah. is, like, crushed down in, into, like, a little tin can. Like, she's on Tom and Jerry or something. I yeah. don't know how her brain would survive unless it was, her brain was, like, out of it somehow. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. They don't really make that clear. Because that's not something that happens. Like, I, at least, I don't know. I don't have a medical degree. But, like, from what I understand, what is very common is, like, your brain dies, but your body is, like, still alive. Like, I've never heard of, like, the reverse happening, where they're like, damn, if only she hadn't been crushed by that anvil, like, because right. shit's cooking in there, like, right, picking up on shit. It's kind of all connected, like... Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, if your body dies, like, think about your lungs and your heart stopping, that's what's cutting off the oxygen to right. I don't know. No need to get technical with this, though. All, <laughs> no need to correct us on this. No. The only technical opinion I have is that they sloshed that bitch's brain into the street and it got run over by a taxi. They, that's the they only... put it into, like, a little wet towel and they wrung it out over the <laughs> sewer <laughs> exactly uh for the rats um and so and at the same exact time very conveniently that she's crushed to death by this jumbotron um nikki howard just like has an aneurysm and collapses and so she's totally right. brain dead somehow m's brain is alive so they transplant they transplant with like the permission of m's parents and like two million dollars from stark megastores they transplant M's brain into Nikki Howard's body. And she mm-hmm. wakes up and, like, her family, like, knows it's her, but, like, no one else does. And so, like, she has to live the life of, like, being this model because she is now beholden for $2 million mm-hmm. to the Stark Enterprises or Stark Megastore. Um, yeah, it is Stark. Yeah, Stark Enterprises. Uh, that Stark Enterprises, isn't that the one from um, 
Iron Man, though? Like, uh, in my Stark conflating? Industries, I believe. Okay. Oh, my God. But still, basically the same thing. I had to spend all week. This is just a stupid digression. I had to spend all week in law school, like, doing citation exercises where I had mm-hmm. to, like, learn all the different, like, abbreviations for, like, that sucks. industries, enterprises, all these things. So, like, my brain, when it comes to those things, mush right now. Right. Um, Your brain is sloshed. It's sloshed. It's getting wrung out by, like, a blue glove doctor over the sewer, <laughs> and it's about to be eaten by rats. Um, it just got run over by a New York City yellow taxi cab. Um, and so she, like, is now essentially, like, an indentured servant to Stark Industries because mm-hmm. um, she you, they paid for her to, like, be kept alive. Because Nikki right. is, like, their spokesmodel, so she's, like, a cash cow for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the whole book is just her kind of navigating this life as this supermodel while also she returns to her old high school because for some reason she's obsessed with this ugly ass dude named Christopher, even though she can fuck anybody she wants to now. Yeah. Uh, But she's like, he understands me and he's sad that I died. And I'm like, he's not going to want to like, he's not going to understand this. Well, and also to be clear, the only thing that they're like that he's ugly quote unquote is that he has long hair. Which in high school, I knew plenty of, of hot guys with long hair who were considered hot. Yeah. Almost exclusively. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's a sign of alternative masculinity when you're in high school. Exactly. So. And you're like, hubba, hubba. Hubba, Slosh hubba. my brain, daddy. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I don't know. This book, like like you said, let's talk about, like, the choice feminism of it all. Um, because because it, when uh, M gets into Nikki's body, she's like, number one, she's like, actually modeling is harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. Number two, she has like a weird thing where she's like, I like it when guys kiss me. She, Nikki must have been a total slut. Yeah. And then she's like, but maybe I'm a slut too. And it's like, <laughs> she, the way that she describes kissing, Sophie, have you ever felt like this? Because I don't think I have. Her her brain literally like sloshes out of her body when she, when she kisses these dudes. I kind of felt like that was inappropriate description of like what kissing feels like when you're in high school. For the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you're, like, my whole body is on fire and, like, I might come right now. That's true. Okay, (laughs) that's fair. Yeah. Um, That's kind of what I thought was being described in that situation because it it was, like, you know, she was talking about, she was, like, I would read in romance novels that, like, your loins would come afire. Like, my loins didn't feel on fire. I just knew what I was doing. And, like, my lips felt all hot and I was worried, like, I wasn't going to be able to stop myself. And so I, I found that to be appropriate. What I didn't like... One, that she was like, why do I like this so much? Nikki must have been a slut because her body really likes this. Like, one, this whole time from the beginning, the character's like, I'm a feminist. My mom's a women's lit professor. I'm a feminist. This, that, the other. And then she's like— So shouldn't you be like, that's fine? Like— Right. Like, that's what I don't get. Like, it doesn't feel like—I mean, maybe it's like some sort of critique of, like, the way that high schoolers employ feminism and, like, a very sort of, like— choice way. But this was just, like—it, like, didn't make sense for this character to all of a sudden be like, wait— I know what's happening. Before this bitch's brain sloshed out of her body, she was a total fucking slut. Yeah, and there's, like, a lot of odd things about, like, now she, like, doesn't like sugar. She doesn't, like, because she gets acid reflux, you know. She does like, all, she likes exercise. All these things that I think are interesting because it's, like, her body, I I don't know, like, the, the brain, and again, not to be too medical about it, but, like, your brain would be the same. And that's what like controls like your, like, I don't know, desires and your taste buds even. So well, she desires the sugar. She just 
her like physical. No, she said she, it didn't sound good. She said it doesn't sound good to her. Remember when she's offered that Sunday and she's like, "Yeah, I love Sundays," and then she's like, "Actually, this sounds bad to me." Yeah, but I think I don't know. That to me like sounded that was kind of an interesting dimension to me. Mm-hmm. Like that, like her body all of a sudden, like she's having all these feelings she's never experienced before. And it's like literally being inside the chemistry of somebody else's body. But I will say, I thought that it was weird that like the whole like beginning was like, there's this dichotomy between smart girls and girl, like smart girls who play video games and girls that like work out and like get skinny. Like that didn't like all of a sudden she like becomes both. But it's like, all of a sudden it's like, she's like, oh, exercise is actually like the key to salvation. And it's like, no, like the whole point, right. Like made more sense for it to be like, actually I'm in this new body and guess what? It's the same. Yeah, exactly. And like, it it was odd. Some of that stuff was odd to me too, because it's like, okay, it's convenient that she can't eat sugar because it, it upsets her stomach. And it's convenient that she likes exercise because, you know, I like exercise, but it's hard. Like, it's not easy. Yeah. No. Um, and it's it's certainly, you know, I like it insofar as it uh, boosts the serotonin. You know, like, it's like yeah, sure. there are pros and cons to exercise, basically. So, yeah, for her to be like, whoa, like, maybe I just never tried this before, but exercise is really good. Yeah. There's just a lot of interesting stuff in this book. And then her sister, for example, is... Um, trying out for JV cheerleading and M is like, well, that's sexist because, you know, cheerleading was only designed to like, you know, because women couldn't play sports. Right. So like you're cheering for them from the sidelines. And then finally she's like, oh, like actually she looks really cute in her outfit and that's why cheerleading is good. Yeah. And she's like, wow, I never realized like there's a whole, um, there's a whole passage in the beginning where they're like, where she's overhearing a conversation between two of the popular girls who are like, Oh my God, Kristen, you picked out the best lip lip gloss for yourself. Like, how do you do it? And she's like, I didn't even know there could be a best lip gloss. And it seems like that the message of this book again at the end is like, there is the best lips lip gloss for you, and cheerleading is cute, and that's great. And it's like there's right. no there's nothing beneath it of like there's no like sort of meditation on like, hey, it's hard to be a woman and like we out here just like doing our best. Well, the, the only one that I was like, this does, this is interesting, is that, like, you know, she's doing this photo shoot as Nikki, and she tells the art director that, like, a pose that he's having her do is sexist, and he's like, I don't care. Yeah. And then she's like, okay, I guess I get this, because she couldn't, like, for her career, you know, um, she can't really control this. Um, which, in some ways, it's like, yeah, she's 17 years old, like, she can't. But it's also, like, she is fr- flagrantly wealthy, right? Yeah. Like, she is, like... Like, has, like, 30K in her savings. Right. Um, I guess that's not, you know. That's not that much. She has more than that because they say she makes she 20K invested, a day. Yeah. But for a 17-year-old, that is that is quite a lot of money. I mean, I do not have that in my savings. Just no. in terms of, like, a celebrity, like, that is maybe not the much in the world. But um, there is a little bit of, like, well, like, we can't really control what men think of us, so we might as well lean into it. There's, like, that whole thing. Um, yeah, is there bimbofication discourse in this book? Well, it's called Airhead. So it I is would called say Airhead. Naturally, there's bimbofication discourse. I think that a lot of that bimbofication discourse comes through the character of Lulu, who is Nikki's yes. best friend, who like when like M gets dropped into Nikki's life, like Lulu is like the roommate and she, you know, she's like you guys had a spirit transfer and she immediately like, asks no other questions. And Mm -hmm. they live together. And so she kind of becomes 
M's guide to like being Nikki. Right. And she's like, straight guys only feel three ways about actually, I'm gonna find this, this yeah, find the thing. passage. Okay. This is the um this is what Lulu says. She says, straight guys only feel three ways about girls. First, they either love you and they show it by writing a song about you, like Gabriel, who's her uh, music love interest, and asking you out and everything is nice and fun like it should be. Second, they love you, but they're scared of their passion for you because it's so strong, like your boy Christopher, who's the, the boy from her high school. So they stuff it away, way, way down and ignore you or do stupid things like make fun of you because they don't know how to express it any other way because they're immature little babies and are too shy to say, well, write a song about you. And third, there's something wrong with them and they start out nice and loving and then turn around and do stupid things like sleep with other girls behind your back, like Justin Bay, who is Lulu's ex-boyfriend. But we'll never figure out what, we, what went wrong with them and neither will they, so it's not worth thinking about. Okay, that's it, the end. Yeah, so I think there is, like, some interesting part of, like, this way that these two women, and then they're also having this conversation while, like, there's their, like, old Russian masseuses in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, she joins in on the conversation. So I think that maybe there is something interesting happening here just about like a meditation on like womanhood and like Mm -hmm. learning that like there are certain inescapable realities of like the heterosexual matrix that are inescapable to everyone right no matter who you are no matter what identity you choose to occupy but I just don't like it doesn't go anywhere deeper than like this being kind of a silly little scene between these three women right yeah, and and it and it does to me the the general vibe seem to be like, well, we can't really control what men think, so you might as well lean into it. Which and I can't really blame this YA book for not, you know, exploring this properly, but yeah, like that's a very nuanced discussion obviously, and it's really really operating within like heterosexuality, which exactly um is, you know, not all women are no. heterosexual. So. No, right. And that's what kind of bothered me about this book is there is like- Also, and not all men are- Straight. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is like, there's like, they specify, oh, like any man who likes women will do X, Y, Z. Like they are, they do specify straight mm-hmm. man. They don't say any man. But by doing that, they almost like create this negative space where it's like, you're acknowledging the existence of queer people, but like- where do they play into this, like, this right. unified theory of sexuality that you're presenting? Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. And also, there there are queer undertones to this book, and specifically the character of M and her relationship with this dude named Christopher. Because, right. like, her the whole refrain about how she felt when she was in her, her you know, God-given body mm-hmm. is, like, oh, like— he sees me as another boy. He doesn't see me as a girl. He sees me as another boy. But all of the sudden, her brain transfers into a new body. Like, that's clearly a trans narrative. Right, Like, yeah. you can't break out of that. I don't care that it's 2008. Like, that's a trans narrative. Right. Um, and now she's put into this hyper-feminine body in this hyper-feminine space, and all of a sudden, their relationship is different. And, like, right. that feels like such an interesting thing that's, like, not— given any sort of interest. Like, there's no actual physical talk about... She's not having any dysphoria, so to say, basically. She's basically like, well, this body is so well-kept, but she, you know, uh, honestly, like, feels pretty neutral about being in this this girl's body. There's no scene where she, like, looks down at her boobs and she's like, ooh, hubba hubba. Which is odd. Like, that's the first thing I would do is be like, damn, 
hubba hubba. Yeah, like she's like she has perfect tits now. Right. And she like she doesn't give any thought to them. Like maybe it's an effort by the author to like not objectify this girl, but like you fucked but you that up the when book you wrote Airhead, up. so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like when you sat down to write this book, you threw that out the window. Um yeah, I just don't it didn't like it didn't feel like that. Like that to me felt like the most interesting part of the book that was unaddressed. Mm-hmm. It was more about her dealing with like the fact that she had been bought by this corporation. Right. Which is, which is interesting. But then for the most part, we are getting the, the idea that Nikki, when she was alive and in her body, um, you know, M starts to respect her because she's like, Oh, you don't drink. So I respect you. But then also this girl was like cheating on her. Everyone. Uh, on everyone and yeah, cheating like on her boyfriend dudes. with her best friend's boyfriend. Yeah. And and so it does still kind of, you know, uh, I guess propel the narrative that the only way that Nikki could be, you know, smart and kind and whatever is if another girl's brain was transferred into her yeah. body. No, which, I mean, yeah. Lulu literally tells her at one point, like, you are nicer and better now that you have this different mind. Right, exactly. Even though what we learn about Nikki is that she was an, she's an emancipated minor, right? Like, she, like, had to leave her parents at some point. And, you know, obviously, as we know, like, being a model is is a hard life. And, you know, when you're a teen— like, because because M starts to learn when all of, like her makeup artists and hair pipe people are like, oh my god, like you look bad, like yeah, um, even though she like looks perfect, basically. So right, they're like, I don't know. That's it, it, and there's really no character other than Frida who looks like M. She does. She still looks, you know, like not dumpy, but like however M sees herself, and so it's like, oh, she can you know participate in these sports too, but there's no every like like, let's say, like, naturally hot girl in this book is still, like, an airhead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this, I, that's something that deeply frustrated me is that this character, Lulu, Mm -hmm. is, like, as aware of what's actually physically happened in this situation as, like, any of the other characters who actually know. Mm -hmm. She does not give a fuck. Like, her best friend, her roommate's brain is sloshing in the sewer, being eaten by rats. And she's like, girly, like, we have to talk about boys. Like, she's like, you're nicer now, and I like you better. Like, she is, there's no grieving process of the characters who actually knew Nikki. And, like, maybe that's owing to the fact that, like, it's not like the characters that knew M where like they had to bury a body and like go through like even like mm-hmm. if it was sort of like a pantomimed grieving process for like her death, like they had to go through that. Well, yeah, and like still like some like Christopher went through that, like right. you know, only her know very immediate alive. family knows that she's alive. Right. But I mean like in terms of like like Lulu kind of like is aware of the situation. Like M right. has explained it to her, like in in, you know, pretty broad terms, but she's like, damn, like, okay, well. Moving on. And I thought that was just such a bad, like, that was really disrespectful to that character. And it's like, she's really dumb. Like, she does not care that her best friend, like, effectively died. <laughs> it's like, kind of like the, the I think you should leave sketch where he's like, the police say they didn't matter. Like, they weren't real. Like, that's how everyone is is treating the yeah. death of this girl, Nikki. Like, <laughs> right. they're she didn't like, matter. Yeah, she didn't matter. Um yeah, I I don't know. That bothered me because I like I and also this book like it's like, you know, the pretty little liars that we read last week where like Emily is like kind of pushed under the water by mm-hmm. uh, Allison and her stinky tooth. Like it's given me another just like lifelong fear. Like I've had this since I originally read this book. Like I'm all like a jumbotron, I'm like it's always going to fall on me. 
right and kill me and i like gonna like i don't want to i don't want to wake up in somebody else's body and like have to lie to everybody about how i'm alive like that's horrible that's so sad like do her yeah it's really know that she's not dead yeah and she's like not like that's that was something that i found interesting it was like she is not obviously even though her family is still here like obviously she's gonna have to have a different relationship with them she doesn't mourn for her old body no or the old way she looked at all and i think that's interesting in terms of like I don't know, like a familial sense, right? Like because she she's you know their biological child, like that can be a thing that that can bond families together. Like one of many factors, obviously, but like you looking like your family, yeah. right? And like that's not something she cares about or mourns at all. She Doesn't really is like it. my old body, like slosh it along with that brain, like liquefy it, uh, pour it into like a bagel making container and like knead it into that dough make it into a perfect new york bagel and serve it to the public right like she like does not care i think a smarter way for them to do this would have been like oh m like when she got crushed by that um that giant jumbotron she just had full body plastic surgery yeah and been like she's grown up now and she's hot congratulations everybody like as you were right yeah and and i don't know it is it's it's like yeah, the fact that there was no mourning for her old body at all, or, like, even her being like, oh, I, because Nikki's body is better. It's easier to exercise. She yep. craves, like, you know, quote-unquote healthier food. Um, the, Emma, M, like, this book also kind of promotes the fact, because M spends no time grieving her body, no. that, yeah, her old body wasn't worth anything. She's like, I hope I don't even see a picture of it because it was gross. Yeah, and and we see her on the back cover. She's just like a normal. She just has brown hair. She's just in a hoodie, and she just has brown hair. Exactly. Like, and haven't like, we all been in a hoodie and have brown hair at some yeah, point? Like, almost every woman has, right? Yeah. And it's also like you know when they describe her body and the way that she looks, it seems like she is just a generally like an average teen girl. Yep, she's an average teen girl. So and there are definitely people out there who are more, let's say, like, pariahed by society for the way that she looks versus this teen girl. And so what does that say about, like, everyone else as well, right? Yeah. Like, it, this, I, could, I don't know. Yeah. So speaking of how the bodies physically looked, uh, you didn't find, like, the fan blog written about this book, did you? No. Okay. So, yeah. So there's some fun stuff here. So uh, basically... Um, there's a, like a child named Megan who writes like book reports and posts them on some website called Forever Young Adult that I just found. Okay. So on September. And she's a child. She's definitely a child. Okay. Um, September 28th, 2009, Megan wrote, uh, about Airhead and, uh, something that Megan likes to do on her blog is, uh, she likes to cast, um, she likes to cast, like, the movie of the book. Mm-hmm. And the casting of this movie is absolutely wild. Yes. Uh, and it's just complete, like, child. You can know Megan's actually a child because it presents a child's complete lack of, like, yeah. any sort of temporality I also when it comes to actors access, and actresses. I cannot access this page because I put a child lock on my phone for OCD reasons and it will not let me go to the whatever the keyword is in foreveryoungadult.com. I cannot access this webpage. What? What kind of child, like, what like what would you expect the word to be here? Probably young adult. I, there, I've had some weird things where, because the, I did it to, like, so I couldn't access Reddit to check the coronavirus subreddit. And okay. I was like, well, I don't need to look at, like, 
porn, basically, like, which was what it would be blocking. So, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, cool. You know, but it, uh, I've gotten some, like, I was searching, like, for, like, a, sil- like, a non, like, a silicone dish scr- scrubber, and I couldn't search that because silicone was in it. It, it, it yeah, blocks that- a lot of, I've had some issues going to, like, gap.com. <laughs> Oh, okay. So you perp you yourself do not put no, the words there's, in. No, there's no way. I like turn it on and it'll it just has a list whatever that it blocks from and then you can add on to it. So I added Reddit, but it's like blocking, you know, obviously like all these other like adult websites which right, you know whatever okay. like right um and then yeah, but like and sometimes I, would say I, I forever, have trouble accessing. Yeah, I would say foreveryoungadult.com would definitely like be something that like a a porn blocker would absolutely automatically block foreveryoungadult.com. Like that's just like it sounds like porn. Right. So something that Megan likes to do on her blog is that she casts these movies with like no sense of temporality of the actors. So let's talk about who she casts. Um I would refer to her as a friend of the pod almost at this point. Um you know, based on kind Can I of guess like Blake Lively. Yes, I'm asking you to. I, yeah, I'm asking you to guess. So think, put yourself in 2009 headspace. We're looking for a just an average looking girl to play the the body of M. Who are you casting? <laughs> well, did this girl cast Lucy Hale? No. Okay. But you're not. But you're not far off. Shane Mitchell. Don't, get outside the realm of Pretty Little Liars and get into oh. more the realm of Oh who, Alexis Bledel. No. You're you're circling it. Okay, give me a hint. Worse. Uh the the other girl from um Sisterhood. No, no one from we have not watched this girl's primary text for the pod, but we've watched something that she's been in. Okay. Vanessa Moreno? One no. of the Mar- uh give can I me. give it to you? Yeah. Because uh, this is it's a, an absolutely wild choice and the choice is Leah Michelle. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't even crazy? think about that. Yeah, no. and what? Yeah, absolutely wild. If there's um, anyone who looks like she's a gamer, it's certainly Leah Michelle. Um, let me read why. Because also Megan includes reasoning for her casting. Okay, good, choices. good. As um, every good casting director should. Yeah. Leah Michelle from Glee can totally pull off dorky, misunderstood M. But I do kind of want to cast her as M's sister Frida, too, because she can totally do ambitious, do anything to be popular. Wow. She's got, I mean, like, she's right. Right, yeah. Um, okay, so. I cannot imagine Leah Michelle like, acting, like, shy, basically. Yeah, no, neither can I. And being like, who, me? Christopher? Yeah. Also, every time they said Christopher, I was just thinking like The Sopranos and I like being like, Christopher, Christopher. I was thinking um, the Winnie the Pooh movie. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh's like, Christopher Robin. McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So uh, as Nikki Howard, it is, so, I'll give you the hint that it's somebody who's, it's like one of the few actual famous people who's name checked in this book. Britney Spears? Misha Barton. Oh, which wild okay, because interesting. Like, How did a nine-year-old in 2009 know who Misha Barton was? That's my absolutely question. Absolutely no idea. I have the same exact question. Um, I would say that the nine-year-old knew who Misha Barton was because Misha Barton's name was in this book. Okay. That's as the fair. person who Brandon Stark dated uh while like Nikki was in the coma. Yeah. Um she says, uh, non-crazy skinny Misha's perfect for Nikki. Non-crazy skinny Misha? Yeah. Um, 
especially post-brain transplant. She's gorgeous, but can play sweet and confused really well. Which, the character of M is not sweet and confused. No, but like, I think she's infantilizing she's, this Nikki. Yeah, exactly. Um, All I'm going to say is I think we know more than this child who wrote this. Um, and then the choice for Lulu... Give me a hint. ...is, like, think in the realm of famous socialite best friends. Uh, Nicole Richie? Yes. Which- oh, my God. <laughs> what the fuck? So, like, if we break down... It was down not an like, actress, right? Like, No. And, like, Nicole Richie, so, like, you know, Nicole Richie right now is about 40, whereas, like, Misha and... Um, so she would have been 30. Yeah, Misha's about 40, and um, uh, Leah Michelle is, you know, like, 30-something. So, like, right. the, the, also the ages of these characters don't line up with each other, nor do they line up with, like, the text. Um, right. So, yeah. And then, lastly, we have uh, the character of Christopher. And you're not going to guess this, because I've never heard of this person. Okay. Um, yeah. His name is Jamie Davis, and he's from a TV show called Hex. Well, this seems like something a child would like. Let me look up this man. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Davis from Hex. Give us, you know, who knows what he's... Uh, oh, English actor. He's yeah. so... He's not even that popular because the first thing that I... That... There's several other results. When I when I search Jamie Davis, it says see results about him as an English actor, but the first thing that comes up is Jamie Davis Motor Truck and Auto LTD, which is a towing service in Hope, British Columbia. Damn, so that's, you, that's cold. Jamie's not getting cast in Airhead because he's not bringing girls to the theater. Um, no, he's also been in Football Wives. Footballer's Wives, it's spinoff, Footballer's Wives Extra Time. <laughs> I would cast in this, I would cast in this role jo- Joshua Bassett. Off, and off he the is dome. 40. I don't know who that is, I don't think. Joshua Bassett is the one that Driver's License is about. Oh, yeah. Like, he could do kind of nerdy, like... I think it needs to be a blonde, though. I think it needs to be a blonde guy. Interesting. Elaborate on this. It could be, um, oh, man, who is the, um, fuck, from Freaky Friday? Who's oh, the Chad Michael Murray. Yeah, it could be Chad Michael Murray. Excuse me, that's... Chad Michael Murray, according yeah. to um, Camilla Cabello. Courtney, Allie, Chad, Michael Murray. Courtney, Allie, Chad, Michael Murray. And that's our official take mm-hmm. on um, the casting of Airhead. We keep all of Megan's opinions with the... Uh, edition of uh, Chad Michael, Courtney Did Megan Alley, like Chad this Michael book? Murray. Uh, Megan, like yeah, Megan gave this book the status of um, she gave it a BFF charm, and she said <laughs> that um, her relationship status with this b- book is dishy girlfriend. Oh my god! Yeah, so uh, it's safe to say Megan. How old is this girl? Was she, when she? We wrote have no this? idea. We don't. We don't have. It doesn't. She track. has the. All that we can. I'm getting on it on my computer now because I can't access it. She the last time she published something was in April fifth, twenty twenty one. Megan, she stayed writing. She's out. She's probably our age. If you guys know Megan Miller, well, yeah, the writer for ForeverYoungAdult.com, we would love to uh, have her on the pod. Okay, um, this this site, you know what? She's doing really well. She um, it says due to the volume of inquiries, we are no longer able to accept review pitches. Oh, you know what I think it is? What? These are not all written by Megan. So kids write these and send them in. But Megan, it looks like, had a beat where she would cover specific, like, young adult novels for young women. Yeah, because these people are actually not um, uh, former FYA writers. Oh, Megan. Is it Megan with an H? Yeah. Okay. 
I don't think that she was a child. Franny, it says Megan is an erstwhile librarian from Texas. <laughs> she loves wow. books, obs, cooking, and homey things like knitting. Although she's around books all the time, she doesn't get to read as much as she'd like. She can't remember learning to read and went from one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish to Nancy Drew pretty quickly. And okay, when Lois wow. Lowry's rabble starkey found its way into her eight-year-old's old hands, it was all over. She's waiting for the day May Cabot shows up with at her door with a DVD of Bring It On, a makeup kit, and two dozen cupcakes and says she wants to have a slumber party. And in this photo, this author photo, she's reading The Princess Diaries and drinking a mimosa. So, and, and the whole tagline of this book is for YA readers who are a little less Y and a little more A. So it's for adult YA readers. So she's one of us. She's a GLU. She, she is, is one of saying. us. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Well, I'm eating crow pie uh, because I was totally convinced because <laughs> I read multiple of Megan's reviews and I was like, this is a child. I don't know if that says more about Megan or uh, me. Oh but- my God. She had a baby. Sophie, she had a baby in t- 2013. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. Well, congratulations, Megan. Oh my God. And her account has been suspended on Twitter. What the fuck? Is Megan like MAGA? Yeah. Megan is, um, is QAnon. We, we, we are QAnon, but we're getting our Q drops from foreverya.com. Exactly. Um, all right. So do you have any final thoughts about this book? I mean, I don't know. It's, I would be interested in reading the second one because there's really not a lot of plot in this book. I don't want to read the second one. I think this, because I remember really liking this series, mm-hmm. and I think it's all just, like, being a model is crazy, and it's, like, in line with, like, a lot of the other, like, aspirational books that we read. Right. Where it's just, like, there's an, actually, you read it as an adult, and you're like, this is actually just sad. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I want to read All-American Girl. Because that was yeah. my favorite Meg Cabot when I was a kid. And I think that one's actually pretty fun and might, you know, be like, it's a little bit more plot heavy. At least like in that one, the girl loses her virginity to the president's son. Um, but yeah, this just didn't, you know, it didn't do it for me. You know, uh, she wrote a book. Megan, we're still on Megan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because Sophie, she has a blog post that says, heck, YA diversity, obstacles with diversity. And then the subtitle is OBS, more diversity is better than less. But Megan takes a look at why sometimes it's easier said than done. Um, so in today's installment of Heck Yeah! Diversity, Megan takes a look at tokenism and tropes involving persons of color with some deets from one of her book projects. She says, the main character in one of my current projects is white, and that's simply because the inspiration for the stories and experience I had growing up, and I'm white. Um, I could probably change her race, but it would impact the story significantly as it'd bring a huge new factor in her, her isolation, which is what the story's about, and would overshadow the the relationship she has that's the true cause of her isolation. Um, okay, I don't know. Mm. So, Megan, I, like, once again, if you guys know Megan, tell her to call us. Yeah, get her um, on the pod. We'll get we'll book her and John Mulaney. Yeah, uh, exactly. Megan Miller and John Mulaney. Maybe, who knows, maybe they could form a love connection, too. Um, nothing seems out of the cards. Right. Megan is her married name. Okay, we need to stop talking about Megan. I, <laughs> this I, I yeah. stressing me out. This poor woman. We're like basically doxing this woman on the pod. So is there anything else you want to say about Airhead? Um, I mean, when I said like I'd, I would not be interested in reading this, or I, when I said I would be interested in reading a second book in this series, 
I think Meg Cabot kind of um, has has kind of her bread and butter is series, right? Because the mediator was a series that was big and obviously the princess diaries. So I sometimes wonder this, uh, what type of book deal she got with this, right? Because not a lot happens in this book, but we get hints that the corporation is watching her in some way, but it doesn't seem like, I thought maybe something would happen where it was like, Oh, like Nikki didn't really die. And like, yeah, they, this was planned or something, but or, or like she like yeah. it wasn't an or aneurysm. They killed her yes, because they killed she her. Was being, I think that's where it goes. If I'm remembering correctly, I think yeah. that is what happens. Like I think that they and it's just like, like oh, she by, just randomly had an aneurysm. Like, yeah, I but think the plasma that, thing was like that actually did kill. That wasn't planned. Like they weren't yeah. planning on having another no. thing into her body. No, like they were just planning on kind of getting rid of her. But then when they realized they could like essentially like hit the restart button. Um, it's different. And so, like, maybe that's interesting. But, like, honestly, like, I don't know. I would rather move on to other Meg Cabot books that are a little bit more, like. Meteor. Like, this just didn't. The, yeah, this was not enough. This was not enough plot for me. I, like, I could have skipped half of this book and still retained everything that we talked about. Today. Right. Yeah, there was. It was very exposition-y. Yes, there half of the book was exposition. But we didn't even talk about the little there's a little puppy that's in it named Cosabella and it's the a jiggy little white of this puppy, book. the jiggy of this book and it's and very cute. That's a good uh note to end on because we did we started this episode in a lot of ways with Lisa Vanderpump. With Jiggy. And Jiggy um, is always with us spiritually. Yes. Um as is Pink Dog. As is Pink Dog. So for Jiggy and for Pink Dog, I'm Sophie. I'm Franny. Thank you for listening. Two girls like us. Uh, I was only talking about Jiggy and Pink Dog and myself. You oh, were not. Yeah. I'm not. You know. I'm not going to speak for who you. Who is the Jiggy and who is the Pink Dog? Uh, you're Jiggy. I'm Pink Dog. Okay, cool. I think that that's kind of my natural reaction. Um, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to join us again next week when we do the finale of Pretty Little Liars. Um, oh my gosh, we're going out with a bang. Maybe we'll do like a three hour episode. Yeah, um, and just wrap it all up. Uh, be sure to find us on social media at Girls Like Us Show on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, subscribe to our Patreon, Girls Like Us or patreon.com slash girls like us show our wonderful producer is camden stacy our wonderful network and our wonderful sorority sisters you can find them at frolic.media slash podcasts and our wonderful theme music is by leggy hell yeah see ya bye everyone bye, bye.